Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shake always comes out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a Blendjet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes that come out smooth, creamy, and delicious in just 20 seconds. So go to blendjet.com and use promo code DCASTPOD at checkout to get 12% off your order. That's promo code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order at checkout. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language, but just didn't have the time or money? I may have a solution for you. Her name is Jessica, and she gives free Chinese lessons daily at 11 p.m. Beijing time and 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Chinese is fun and easy if you have the right teacher. Let Jessica be that teacher and introduce yourself to the fastest growing language in the international job market today at tinyurl.com backslash tcjessica and tell her Ian sent you. Hello and welcome to the DeathCast. I'm your host, author and journalist Ian Tott, and I'd like to thank you for joining me as we prepare to take our seventh look at the West Memphis Three. Before we get going, as always, I have the normal show notes. If you'd like to help support the show, there's a couple of ways you can do this. First and foremost, go to your favorite podcast app, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Another way you can help support the show is by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash the deathcast make a one-time donation and lastly go to tinyurl.com backslash dcast patreon and become a patreon member for as little as two dollars a month you get access to exclusive content early drop ad free shows and much more All right, now that all of that is out of the way, get yourself something to drink, find a nice comfy chair, I have my coffee, I have my cigarettes, let's go into the crypt. We left off last week discussing various witness statements that were given, both prior to the arrests of Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. on June 3rd, and after the arrests. There were so many different people that gave information concerning Damian Eccles and their belief that he very well could have been involved in these crimes, as well as Eccles' own statements to the police, that they really started zeroing in on him at this point in time. They'd been told about this coven or you know, satanic cult that Eccles claimed membership in by numerous people. One of these people was a former girlfriend of Eccles, Diana Holcomb, who initially claimed that she didn't believe Eccles was involved in these crimes. However, after taking a polygraph examination, she informed officers that, in fact, she did believe that Eccles was responsible. They'd also learned from different witnesses that there was a very good possibility that Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. was also involved in this cult and that he might, in fact, have some information. So, on June 3rd, 1993, there was a squad meeting at 8 a.m. at the West Memphis Police Department where, quote, 
discussed attempting to pick up Jesse and Miss Kelly Jr. in reference to his being a member of cult that Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin are said to be members of. Check possibility of his being a witness to homicide or any statement he may have overheard from Damien or anyone concerning the homicide, end quote. So that's what the officers went out to do that day, was to try and track down Jesse and Miss Kelly. They went to the Miss Kelly home and were informed that Jesse was not there. However, his father was at work. Officer Mike Allen spoke with Jesse Miss Kelly Sr. at 9.45, where he learned that Jesse was at the home of Vicki Hutchinson. Allen goes and picks up Jesse, and at 10 a.m. they filled out a descriptive card of Jesse Miss Kelly, which reads that he's five foot one, 125 pounds, has an FTW tattoo on his right arm, a skull and dagger with the initials AH underneath it, NWA on his left arm, and a bitch tattoo on his chest. So, Detective Allen begins to interview Jesse Miss Kelly with Officer Brian Ridge observing. This differs very greatly from what is put out in the Paradise Lost film as well as by the West Memphis Three supporters who say that Miss Kelly was dragged in there first thing in the morning and that he was denied his rights and interrogated for 12 hours, give or take. Miss Kelly described Eccles as sick and stated that he drinks blood, further stating that Eccles was almost constantly in the presence of Baldwin and Dominique Tier. Miss Kelly also stated that the last time he had seen Eccles was roughly three weeks prior at the home of Vicki Hutchinson, at which point Miss Kelly stated that he told Hutchinson that he, Eccles is sick. He also claimed to never have been inside of Robin Hood Hills. It's important to note that there are some discrepancies in the notes taken by Officer Ridge and Officer Allen. In Ridge's notes, he states that Miss Kelly said that he had not seen Eccles in over two months and knew nothing about the murders. Before going on to state that he had, in fact, introduced Eccles and Hutchinson roughly three weeks beforehand... This was an immediate red flag to the officers as Jesse had already stated that he had not seen Eccles in two months. Miss Kelly said that he heard rumors that Damien and Robert Birch had committed the crimes and that at the time of the murders, he was working with Ricky Dees and another individual by the name of Josh Darby as roofers and that he did not get off until at least 5 p.m. that afternoon, after which he went home and stayed there. He further stated that he had seen Eccles numerous times over at the skating rink, oftentimes in the presence of Carl Smith and Jason Baldwin, before stating that he had seen Baldwin get into a fistfight at Lakeshore at one point and have his nose broken, and that Damien had dipped his finger into the blood pouring from Baldwin's nose and licked it from his finger. So after this initial interview of 1 hour to 45 minutes, 
They asked Jesse if he'd be willing to take a polygraph test, to which she readily agreed, and Jesse was read his rights at 11 a.m. There's an idea out there that Jesse did not understand what his rights were, but we only need to look back at his prior history to know that this was not, in fact, the case, as he had been read his rights and signed paperwork at least four times in the past, going back to 1988. So Jesse is read his rights, and he signs these forms at roughly 11 a.m., at which point officers decide that, you know what, we need to hold back on polygraphing this kid and questioning him any further until we get the father's consent to continue with this. They take Jesse and they leave the police department to go in search of his father. And according to Detective Allen, they spotted Jesse Sr. at 11.15 a.m. on Missouri Street driving a tow truck. Jesse Sr. signed a waiver which allowed for Jesse to undergo this polygraph examination. At 11.30 a.m., Jesse was again read his Miranda rights. Once more, he signed and initialed these forms. Jesse was given three polygraph examinations at 11.55 a.m., 12.03, and 12.11 p.m. Officer who administered these examinations, Bill Durham, stated at 12.30, quote, he's lying his ass off, indicating that Miss Kelly had shown signs of deception on five questions. Have you ever been in Robin Hood Hills? Have you ever took part in devil worship? Have you ever attended a devil worship ceremony in the Turrell Twist area? Are you involved in the murder of those three boys? Do you know who killed these three boys? After being informed that he had failed the polygraph examinations, Jesse Miss Kelly began to confess. From 12.40 p.m. to 2.20 p.m., officers Ridge and Gitchell interrogated Jesse Miss Kelly. Now, unfortunately, at least to the best of my knowledge, there is no physical tape with Miss Kelly's confession on it. However, there is a transcript of this confession, along with notes compiled by Detective Brian Ridge, and I'm going to read them. Stated he received a phone call from Jason Baldwin the night before murders. They were going to go out and get some boys and hurt them. Stated he had received a call from Jason. Damien in background wanted him to go with them. Said they planned something. Heard Damien say that Jason ought to tell that they were going to get some girls or something. Jesse said he knew what they were going to do. Jesse began to say something and then says he doesn't want anything to do with it. Jason stated that he saw pictures of boys killed during meeting. This would be a satanic cult meeting that Jesse began to readily admit to being a part of. And this is where Miss Kelly starts talking about this mysterious briefcase that has come up over and over and over again throughout the course of this case. Supposedly, there were photographs of these boys inside of this briefcase, both before and after death. Some stories state that there were also articles of clothing that were blood-soaked inside of this briefcase. Jesse recounts Al as part of this 
cult, when they have meetings, they will get a dog and they will skin it and eat part of the animal. Jesse also states that Damien was known to hang out in West Memphis in order to watch young children for obviously the purpose of selecting victims. Before going on to further state that Jason and Damien are having a homosexual relationship with one another. States that there were meetings held in Robin Hood Hills. Jason has a folding knife. Damien doesn't have one. Jason always carries a knife. Jesse not sure of time of phone calls. Three calls. Day before. Morning of murder. After date dark. Jason online. Damien in background. We did it. We did it. What are we going to do now? What if somebody saw us? Sounded like Jason was at home, brothers in background. Says that animal killings in part of ritual, if person eats meat, then he's part of the group, will take polygraph concerning new statement. Show a picture of one victim in coroner's office. Jesse No was one of those killed by Damien. Jesse looked hard at picture and said it was of more boy and that it was one of the boys in the Polaroid. Jesse stated that he didn't want to be a part of this and that Damien and Jason killed, he did not, will think about taking a polygraph jet test. We're going to go over some more notes, just briefly, the things that happened prior to Jesse confessing. It's important to note that the photograph that Miss Kelly was shown during this portion of things was actually a crystal for buyers, although Miss Kelly identified it as the, quote, more boy, there is also a section of notes from later where Miss Kelly stated that he, quote, told of one occasion he had gone to the scene of the murders and sat down on the ground and cried about what had happened to the boys. He had tears in his eyes at this time telling about the incident. I felt this was a remorseful response about the occurrence and that he had more information than what he had revealed at this point. That's important to note as though who's who knew Miss Kelly stated that they had seen signs that something was wrong with him and that he was feeling guilty about something. The officers continued to work on Jesse Miss Kelly. Eventually they played a tape recording of Aaron Hutchinson Vitke, Hutchinson's son, stating nobody knows what happened but me. It said that at this point, Miss Kelly said, quote, I want out of this. I want to tell you everything. Was at this point this Miss Kelly actually began to confess, telling the officers in detail what happened. According to Officer Ridge, Jesse seemed to be very sorry for what happened and told that he had been there when the boys were first coming into the woods and were called by Damien to come over to where they were. At... 2.44 p.m., Jesse Miss Kelly was read his Miranda rights once more and officially arrested. And from 2.44 until 3.18 p.m., Jesse Miss Kelly confessed in a taped recording. It's important to note that there are some discrepancies with the known facts as to what Jesse Miss Kelly told the officers Miss Kelly later explained that he had deliberately lied to the officers in order to see what they knew. He gave another 
statement between 3.45 and 5.05, at which point arrest warrants were drawn up for the arrest of Jason Baldwin and Damian Eccles. At 3.22 p.m. during the interrogation confession, Miss Kelly refused anything to eat, stating he couldn't eat anything. He was given two cigarettes as well as a Coca-Cola. At 5.05, he was asked again if he wanted to eat, and although Miss Kelly said he didn't feel like eating, he figured he should go ahead and do so, receiving a hamburger and another Coke at 6.15 p.m. At 6.33 p.m., he was asked if he needed to use the bathroom. At 9.06 p.m., Ridge, Gitchell, and Fogelman went before a judge for a probable cause hearing, and it was at this point that the arrest warrants were officially signed with police arriving at 1028 at Highland Trailer Park, Lakeshore Estates, and Broadway Trailer Park, with Eccles and Baldwin being arrested at the Eccles household while watching a videotape of the movie Leprechaun. So now let's dive into Jesse's confession as with other episodes, I'll be bouncing back and forth between what the officers say and what Jesse says. However, I will not always be reading what the officers say unless it's absolutely pertinent. Detective Ridge. Okay, Jesse, let's go straight to the date. 5-5-93, Wednesday early in the morning. You received a phone call. Is that correct? Jesse, yes, I did. Ridge, and who made that phone call? Jesse, Jason Baldwin. Ridge, alright, what occurred? What did he talk about? Jesse, he called me and asked if I would go to West Memphis with him, and I told him no, I had to work and stuff. He told me that he had to go to West Memphis, so him and Damien went, and then I went with them. Ridge, alright, when? Jesse, Wednesday. Ridge, alright, when did you go with them? Miss Kelly, that morning. Ridge, 9 o'clock in the morning? We know that this is a fallacy, and according to Jesse's own statements, he was attempting to deceive the police again in order to find out how much he know they knew, but also probably to make his statements untruthful and therefore unusable in court. Despite the idea that is out there that Jesse Miss Kelly has the you know IQ of a twelve-year-old, he is much more cunning than people give him credit for. Miss Kelly, yes, I did. I went with them, and then Gitchell. Now, were you in a car? Whose car were you all in? Miss Kelly, we walked. We went up to Robin Hood by uh, the Blue Beacon truck wash, a little patch of woods. When I was there, I saw Damien hit this one boy real bad, and then uh, he started screwing them and stuff, and then uh, Ridge, all right, you got in front of you a picture. That was taken out of the newspaper, I believe. It's got three boys, and these are the three boys that were killed on that date in Robin Hood Woods. Okay, which one of these three boys is it you say Damien hit? The third picture will be Miss Kelly, Michael Bohr. Gitchell, this boy right here? Yeah. Gitchell, all right. That's uh, the buyer's boy. That's who you were pointing out at? Yes. Ridge, okay, so you saw Damien strike Chris Byers in the head? Jesse, right. Ridge, what he did he hit him with? Miss Kelly, he hit him with his fist and bruised him all up real bad, and then Jason turned around and hit Stevie Branch and started doing the same thing. Then the other one took off. 
Michael Moore took off running, so I chased him and grabbed him and hold him until they got there, and then I left. Now, it's important to note a couple of things here. Jesse Miss Kelly was never able to properly name the children with the exception of Michael Moore, and that is because he is the one who dealt with Michael Moore. Also important to note is that Miss Kelly, during the initial interrogation slash confession, tried to claim that he left as soon as the boys got done with Stevie and Christopher and came over to take Michael Moore off of his hands. In later confessions, this would change drastically. Ridge, okay, now when this, when he hit the first boy, where are they at when he hits them? Are you in the woods? You're on the side of Big Bayou. You're out in the field. Where were you? Miss Kelly, I was in the woods. Ridge, in the woods. Okay, you've been down there in those woods before. Can you describe to me what, in those woods, what's the location where you are at? Uh... Ridge, is there a path that you go down? Uh, down a little path. Ridge, all right, where does that path go to? Miss Kelly, it leads out there close to the field, close to the interstate. Ridge, when he hits the first boy and then Jason hits another boy and one takes off running, where does he run to? Miss Kelly, that one. He runs out, out the park, and I chased him and grabbed him and brought him back. Ridge, which way does he go? I mean, does he go back towards where the houses are? He's going to Blue Beacon. Is he going towards the fields where he's running to. Miss Kelly, towards the houses. Gitchell, where the pipe is that goes across the yard. Miss Kelly, yes, he run out there and I caught him and brought him back and I took off. Ridge, okay, and when you came back a little bit later, now are all these boys tied? Jesse, yes, and I took off and run home. Ridge, all right. Have they got their clothes on when you saw them tied? Miss Kelly, no, they had them off. Ridge, they had already gotten them off. When he first hit the boy, when Damien first hit the boy, did they have their clothes on then? Jesse, yes. Ridge, all right, when did they take their clothes off? Miss Kelly, right after they beat up all three of them, beat them up real bad. Ridge, beat them up real bad. And then they took their clothes off? Jesse, yes. Ridge, and then they tied them up? Jesse, then they tied them up. Tied their hands up, they started screwing them and stuff, cutting them and stuff, and I saw it and turned around and looked, and then I took off running. I went home, then they called me and asked me how come I didn't stay. I told them I just couldn't. Rage, just couldn't stay? R Miss Kelly, I couldn't stand to see what they were doing to them. And you're going to see in later confessions... Miss Kelly has been consistent on this point throughout everything that he did not participate in the mutilation and sexual assaults of the boys, only in the subduing and beating of Michael Moore. Ridge. Okay, now when this is going on, when this is taking place, you saw somebody with a knife who had a knife. Miss Kelly. Jason. Ridge. Jason had a knife. What did he cut with the knife? What did you see him cut, or where did you see him cut? Miss Kelly, I saw him cut one of the little boys. He was cutting him in the face. Ridge, cutting him in the face. All right, another boy was cut, I understand. Where was he cut at? Jesse, at the bottom. This is key because this information about the cuttings, one being cut on the face and one being cut around the waist area, were not public knowledge at this point. Ridge, on his bottom, was he face down and he was cutting on him, or Jesse, he was Gitchell. Now you're talking about bottom, do you mean right here? Jesse, yes. Gitchell, in his groin area? Jesse, yes. 
Rich, do you know where his penis is? Miss Kelly. Yeah, that where he was cut at. Gitchell, which boy was that? Jesse, that one right there. Gitchell, you're talking about the buyer's boy again? Jesse, yes. Ridge, are you sure he was the one that was cut? Miss Kelly, that's the one that I seen them cutting on. That's an important note right there because Christopher Byers was indeed the child that had wounds to his genital area. Ridge, alright, you know what a penis is, Miss Kelly, yeah. Ridge, alright, is that where he was cutting? Miss Kelly, that's where I seen them going down at, and he was on his back. I seen them going down right there real close to his penis and stuff, and I saw blood... And that's when I took off. Ridge, so there is a like a tall bank. Where were you on that bank? Jesse, I was up there standing up there on the top. They were at the bottom. I was looking down, and after I seen all of that, I took off. Ridge, okay, and when you left, did you hear any more hollowing or anything? Miss Kelly, no. Ridge, alright, you went home, and about what time was it that this all took place? Jesse, about... Ridge, I'm not saying when they called you, I'm saying what time was it that you were actually there in the park? Jesse, about 12. Ridge, about noon? Jesse, yes. Ridge, okay, was it after school had let out? Miss Kelly, I didn't go, go to school. Ridge, these little boys, Miss Kelly, they skipped school. They were going to catch their bus and stuff, and they were on their bikes, and so, Ridge, all right, they're on their bikes. Where were the bikes at? Miss Kelly, they laid their bikes down when they come out to the, when they hollered for them to come out there. Ridge, had Damien seen these boys before? Jesse, yes. Ridge, has he done things with them before, or had he just been watching them? Jesse, he had just been watching them. Ridge, has he ever had sex with them before? Jesse, no, he's been watching them. Ridge, he's been watching them. You mentioned earlier that one of the meetings you went to with this cult thing, they had some pictures. Describe these pictures for me. Jesse, they had some houses, trees, and stuff. Ridge, okay, and somebody had taken pictures of these boys? Jesse, yes. Ridge, were they in the houses, or were they in the trees when they took these pictures? Jesse, they were in the houses. Ridge, at the houses, did they take, like, one picture of one boy? Jesse, they were in a group. Ridge, all these three? Jesse, there was a group of pictures of all three of them. Ridge, all three of them would generally be together? Jesse, yes. Gitchell, how many pictures did you see all together? Jesse, I just saw one. Gitchell, okay, and had these same three boys in it? Jesse, yes. Ridge, you're certain of that? Jesse, yes. Gitchell, now, did you say that the boys skipped school that day, these little boys did? Jesse, yes. They were going to catch, they were going somewhere, and like I said, Damien and um, left before I did. I told them that I would meet them there and stuff, and it was early in the morning, and so they went ahead and met me. They went up there, and then I would I come later on behind. And at this point, Jesse is contradicting himself in statements he had given earlier, as well as statements he would later give again, he said that this was his effort to confuse the police. As he goes on to talk about meeting up at 9 a.m., which we know factually did not happen, and which Jesse would later correct. Miss Kelly goes on to describe how he went home, it was around noon, and then 9 that night, he was contacted by Baldwin and Eccles who wanted to know why he left. They attempted to get 
Miss Kelly to talk about the knives, although he was evasive on this point. And they now catch Miss Kelly in a lie as they ask Jesse, you know, basically what happened after he left, and he informs them that they continued to molest the boys and beat on them, a fact that Miss Kelly would not have known had he not been present for the entire ordeal. Quote, Jesse, they were unconscious then, and after I left, they'd done more. They started screwing them again. Ridge, okay, how were they screwing them when you saw them? Jesse, they, they, Jason stuck his in one of them's mouth, and Damien was screwing one of them up the ass and stuff. Ridge, okay, and the one that they was cutting the penis off. Did any of them are cutting the penis or whatever was being done? Did they have sex with them at all? Jesse, no. Ridge, did either one of them? Jesse, Jason did. Ridge, Jason did? Jesse, Jason was screwing with him while Damien stuck his in his mouth. Ridge, okay, how did they have sex with that one? Miss Kelly, he was holding him down like, and Jason had his legs up in the air and that, and little boy was kicking, saying, don't, no, like that. Ridge, okay, he had his legs up in the air, all right, what was to keep the little boys from running off, but just their hands are tied, what's to keep them from running off? Miss Kelly, they beat them up so bad, so they couldn't hardly move, they had their hands tied down, and he sit on them. Ridge, you said that they had their hands tied up, tied down, where... Their hands tied in a fashion that they couldn't have run? You tell me. Jesse. They could run. They just had them tied. When they knocked them down and stuff, they could move their arms and stuff and hold them down like wake up and raise up. And uh, the other one just put his legs up. Ridge. Okay, so they had them under control. You were there the whole time that was taking place? Jesse. I was there. They then go on to ask whether or not any other weapons had been used. Gitchell says, Did you ever use, did anyone use a stick and hit the boys with it? Miss Kelly, Damien had kind of a big old stick when he hit that first one after he hit him with his fist and knocked him down and got him a big old stick and hit him. Gitchell, what did the stick look like? I mean, was it like a big log that like that or was it a stick? Miss Kelly, I would say it was about that big around. I would say about that long. Ridge, about the size of a baseball bat, maybe just a little bit bigger around. Miss Kelly, yeah. They again go on to talk about the supposed briefcase that has never been produced before giving details about the cult that he said they were all in, which matched up with information given by other independent sources. And now a lot of people have also pointed out that, you know, the officers kept coming back to these points that Miss Kelly had told untruths on or had been evasive on. And people point out that, you know, that is proof that the officers were coaching Jesse. When in reality, if you've ever sat in on an interrogation or even watched one, you know, officers repeatedly go back to the same questions again and again. And the reason for this is because when this goes to court, they have to be able to show that, hey, this character 
repeatedly gave us these statements about this particular event. They want to see if they can trip the offender up in order to show that they're lying, at which point they can come back and hammer them some more. This is not underhanded tactics. This is standard operating procedure when conducting an interrogation. So they continue to ask Miss Kelly questions about... You know, the bikes, Miss Kelly says they put them down right when you go in uh, near the pipes and claims not to have any knowledge of what was done with the bikes afterwards or of having touched the bikes himself. Ridge, you've been back to this place since that murder? Jesse, yes, I went down there and sit there, and after what they did to the boys, I just sit there. Just thought happened to them real bad, just thought, and I left and stuff and walked home. Gitchell, when did you go back there? Jesse, two or three days after it happened and I left. I was there by myself. Ridge, didn't you go there with some more boys once? Miss Kelly, me, David. Ridge, that particular place? Jesse, no, not to that place. This is in reference to Miss Kelly and others having been seen near the crime scene afterwards. Ridge, are you willing to go down there with us and us having a camcorder and show us where these things place? Would you do that? Miss Kelly did not respond. Ridge, wouldn't have any problem with that? Jesse, not that I know of, I wouldn't. Ridge, but you would be able to point out where these things took place? Jesse, yes. This actually never happened for some reason. Although it would have further bolstered the prosecutor's case had Miss Kelly agreed to go with them. Ridge, which way the boys come from and where you all were when he hollered for the boys and stuff like that, you wouldn't have a problem with that? Miss Kelly, after the murder and stuff, I would say about two or three days after it happened, I went down there and thought about it, and I haven't been down there since. Ridge, okay, let me ask you something. Now, this is real serious, and I want you to be real truthful, and I want you to think about it before you answer it. Don't just say yes or no real quick. I want you to think about it. Did you actually hit any of the boys? Jesse, no. Gitchell, tell us the truth. Miss Kelly, no. Ridge, did you actually rape any of those boys? Jesse, no. Ridge, did you actually kill any of those boys? Jesse, no. Ridge, did you see any of the boys actually killed? Jesse, yes. Ridge, okay, which one did you see killed? Jesse, that one right there. Gitchell, now you're pointing to the buyer's boy again? Jesse, yes. Ridge, how was he actually killed? Jesse, he choked him real bad and all. This is actually inconsistent with the facts of the case as Byers was beaten and castrated and he died before going into the water. However, Jesse would say in subsequent confessions that Christopher Byers was put into a chokehold as he was assaulted. Ridge, choking him? Okay, what was he choking him with? Jesse, his hands like a stick. He had a big old stick kind of holding it over his neck. Again, this is important as Damien was known to carry around a very large walking stick, which was described as having incantations and symbols carved into it. However, after the murders, the stick was never seen again. Ridge, okay, so he was choking him to the point where he actually went unconscious, so at that point you felt like he was dead? Miss Kelly, yeah, 
Rich, okay, did any of the other two boys, were you there when they were actually killed? Jesse, I don't know. Rich, you say that you got sick, so that's what you're saying. Did you throw up or anything? Jesse, yes. Rich, where did you throw up at? Jesse, I got a little bit ways out of there and got half a mile up the road is when I threw up and couldn't hardly run and I just threw up. The idea that he left fairly quickly is something that Miss Kelly consistently said throughout his later confessions, although the idea that he got sick to the point of throwing up was dropped. He did state that he was sick, although he didn't throw up. Gitchell, did you have any blood on your clothes? Jesse, I didn't have no blood. I didn't get close to them. Gitchell, were your clothes wet still? Jesse, yes, they were damp. Ridge, all right, Inspector Gitchell touched on a point real close. Now, what clothes were your Jason wearing that day, that night? Jesse, he was wearing some blue jeans and boots, army boots like. Ridge, army boots and what kind of a shirt? You know, everybody wears a special shirt with different things. Jesse, he was wearing a Megadeth shirt, or maybe a Metallica. Ridge, all right, Damien, what was Damien wearing? Jesse, Damien had some black pants on, some boots, and a black t-shirt. Army boots were picked up at the Eccles home at the time of the arrests, which belonged to Jason Baldwin. Well, tennis shoes and boots caked in mud were seen at the Eccles home on May 7th, although they were not collected into evidence. Rich, these blue jeans that Jason was wearing, designer jeans or were they old jeans? Were they wore out holes? Jesse, they were wore out. They had holes in them and the knees were cut. Rich, holes in the knees. Jesse further goes on to describe what both Jason and Damien were wearing at the time of the attacks. For describing himself as wearing a pair of blue jeans and a pair of Adidas shoes, this is in line with what Buddy Lucas stated that Jesse had given him. After all of this, Jesse is asked about how long after he left did he receive a phone call from Jason and Damien. He said it was about an hour. Jesse, when he first called me, he said, how come you left? And I said, I couldn't stand it. I had something else. And then Damien, I heard Damien in the background saying, we done it, we done it. What do we do if somebody saw us? Ridge, okay, has Jason and Damien talked to you since this happened? Jesse, no. Ridge, they haven't talked to you about this? Jesse, they hadn't said nothing around me when I was over to my friend's house. They didn't say nothing. Ridge, when you've been by yourself, and I'm sure in the last few weeks you've been by yourself with them sometimes. Miss Kelly, you know Damien keeps asking me how come I left and stuff and hadn't anybody said anything to me about it. Ridge, what did he say to you about it when you came to the police department after seeing that boy in the woods up there behind the Goodyear place? What did he say about that? This is in reference to Jesse having made a call to the police, having seen someone camping in the woods off of Missouri Street. Jesse, he didn't know anything about that. Ridge, okay, what about when you get with Jason by himself? Jesse, he keeps on asking me what are we going to do next. I told him I can't do nothing now because I got to work with my daddy every day. Jesse then goes on to state that he believes that both boys should be put away for a while and that they are sick.
When asked why he had not come forward with this information, Jesse said he was scared of the police. Although he further points out when asked if he's still scared of the police that he is in fact not scared of the police. And at this point, they leave Jesse alone for a little while before Detective Gitchell returns to question Jesse again. Jesse, uh, when, when you go with the boys and with Jason Baldwin, when you three were in the woods and then little boys come up, about what time was it when the boys come in the woods? Jesse, I would say it was about five or so, five or six. Gitchell, now, did you have your watch on at that time? Jesse, uh-uh. Gitchell, you didn't have your watch on? Uh-uh. Gitchell, uh, all right, you told me earlier around seven or eight. What time is it? Jesse, it was seven or eight. It was starting to get dark. I remember it was starting to get dark. Gitchell, okay, well, that clears it up. I didn't know that's what I was wondering. Was it getting dark or what? Miss Kelly, we got up there at six and the boys come up and it was starting to get dark. Gitchell, okay, so you and Jason and Baldwin, uh, Damien, you all got there right at six? Jesse, about six, yeah. Gitchell, is that a normal time that you all meet at six? Jesse, yeah. Gitchell, okay, when you do your cult stuff, does a six mean something? I mean, is that a time you normally do meet? Jesse, yeah. Gitchell, okay, so you all met out there at 6, and then the boys come up about what time? Jesse, about 7. Gitchell, about 7. Okay, so you all were out there with the boys and all this stuff going on, and until you noticed it starting to get dark, is that correct? Jesse, yeah. Gitchell, oh, now are you sure about that? Jesse, yes. This is important, as you'll recall, Jesse had given much earlier times prior to this and now he was tightening up his times, although he refused to give a definitive time as to when the attacks and everything occurred. We do know that the boys were last seen in the area around 6, which is roughly when it was starting to get dark. Skitchell and Miss Kelly go back and forth over the time before they settle on, quote, right at 6 when the West Memphis Three officially arrived in the woods before deciding that it was about seven when the young boys, their victims, officially arrived. They talk further about the clothing that Miss Kelly was wearing. Miss Kelly admits that he had given the shoes he had been wearing that night to Buddy Lucas. Another important point as Prior to this, they had no idea that Jesse had given the shoes away to Buddy Lucas. Although Jesse says that he gave them to Lucas because Lucas's shoes got wet. As we know from covering Buddy Lucas's statements, that is not in fact the reason that Jesse gave him these shoes. Gitchell, alright, who tied the boys up? Jesse, uh, Damien. Gitchell, did Damien just tie up... A up, or did anyone help Damien or Jesse? Jason helped him. Gitchell, okay, and what did they use to tie them up? Miss Kelly, a rope. Gitchell, okay, what color was the rope? Jesse, brown. Another important thing is Jesse insists at this point that they used a brown rope. However, later he would admit that this was another piece that he threw out to the detectives in order to try and mislead them and that they had in fact used shoelaces. 
Gitchell, did you ever see the boys in the water? Jesse, uh, yeah, down by the water. Gitchell, all right, how did the boys get into the water? Jesse, they pulled them there into the water. Gitchell, all right, when you say they, who is it that pulled them into the water? Jesse, Jason and a Damien. Gitchell, do you wear a belt? Jesse, no. Gitchell, does Jason wear a belt? Jesse, uh-uh. Gitchell, does Damien wear a belt? Jesse, yep. Gitchell, what kind of belt does he wear? Jesse, a black leather belt with uh, beads, uh, like little beads around it, like little beads, you know, stubbies with. Gitchell, okay, about how thick is the belt? Jesse, it's about four inches. Gitchell, now do you know what four inches looks like? Jesse, about like that. The belt was about like this. Gitchell, okay, I don't think that's quite four inches, but uh, probably about three, something like that. Jesse, uh-huh. Gitchell, which, which boys were raped? Jesse, uh, Byers and the Branch. Gitchell, okay, so you know them by name and face well enough to call them by name? Jesse, uh-huh. Gitchell, okay, did you, did you see the Moore boy? Was he raped? Jesse, no. Gitchell, all right, who raped these two boys? Jesse, Jason, and Damien. Gitchell, do you know which one raped which boy or how did it happen? Jesse, Damien raped the Myers by himself, and Jason and Damien raped other branch. Gitchell, all right, give that to me again now. Jesse, Damien raped uh, the Myers by himself, and Jason and Damien raped other branch. Gitchell, did anyone have oral sex with the boys? Jesse, yes, Damien and Jason. Gitchell, how many of them did they do that to? Jesse, just two. Branch and Byers. Gitchell, how did they keep the boys quiet? Jesse, they put their hands over their mouths. Gitchell, did they do anything else other than put their hands over their mouths? How did they finally keep them from being quiet? Because the boys bound to have been hollering. Jesse, they stuck their hands over their mouths first, and then they stuck their shirts to their mouths. Gitchell, okay, did they do anything else to them to make them be quiet? Jesse, they stuck their hand to their mouth. Gitchell, okay, did they, were they hitting them before that or afterwards? Jesse, before and after, just trying to keep them off of them. Gitchell, just all the time? Jesse, just trying to keep Jason and Damien off of them. Gitchell, now they put their, whose shirts did they put in their mouths? Jesse, Damien's. Gitchell, okay, all right, hold on just a minute. Let me ask you something else, Jesse. I'm sorry, I keep coming back and forth, but I got people that want me to ask you some other questions, uh, talking about oral sticks. Did you see, you know, we talked about earlier about how Jason and Damien do each other, have sex with each other. Did they, did they have oral sex on the boys? Miss Kelly, yeah, they, they, one of them stuffed their thing in the boy's mouth while the other one got the other one up the button stuff. Gitchell, okay, but did, did anyone go down on the boys and maybe suck theirs or something? Jesse, not that. I didn't see nothing. Neither one of them do that. Gitchell, okay, did they pinch their penis in any way or were rough with it or anything like that? Jesse, I didn't see nothing like that. Not rough with them. I just seen them. Gitchell, you didn't see anyone go down on the boys. Jesse, uh-uh. And they talk further about how the boys' hands were tied up and how the boys were being held by their ears, which is another piece of evidence that Jesse continues throughout later confessions and which is consistent with the injuries sustained by the boys. And not to get too terribly graphic, basically what he's saying is that one of the boys would hold 
the younger child while the other one would grab the boy's ears and force the boy to perform oral sex on them. As previously discussed, after Miss Kelly gives these statements, these confessions, that is when the police go and get the warrants for the arrest of Baldwin and Eccles, arresting them eventually at Eccles' house as they watched a movie. You can see interviews with Damien Eccles in the first Paradise Lost film, and it's obvious that he realizes that he's in a whole shit heap of trouble, and he really starts playing up this, you know, rather confused, put-upon teen act, when in reality, he did everything to make this happen. And after the arrest is when the police really start getting people coming forward to tell them stories about Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin. Particularly of interest is the statement concerning the ball game wherein numerous young girls heard or were told by Eccles at this softball game that he had committed the crimes. Damien comes off as very, very boastful, whereas Jason Baldwin correctly kept his mouth shut and did not implicate himself in any of this. So really, you have Damien and Jesse, who hung the three of them, so to speak, Damien because he couldn't keep his mouth shut because he was excited about it, and Jesse because he felt guilty over what he had essentially been tricked into participating in. Let's not mince words here. Jesse Miss Kelly was a thug in training, but I do not believe that he would have intentionally taken the life of anyone at this point in his life had others not coerced him to participate in it without telling them exactly what it was that they were doing. But this wasn't the only time that Miss Kelly confessed. He confessed again on June 11, 1993, in the presence of Dan Stidman, his legal counsel. Stidman did not record this particular confession, but he did keep copious notes, and I'm reading some of them here. Seen picture of three bees one week before murder at cult meeting. At cult meeting, he recognized three boys but couldn't remember where he seen them until the picture was in the paper. Three teens were in water. Damien hollered at three boys. Miss Kelly and Jason hid in the weeds. Damien hit blonde-headed boy, and then other two started hitting Damien. Jason Baldwin gets involved, then Miss Kelly starts... Quote, started hitting the other boy, started hitting boy in scout uniform. Damien hit the blonde-headed boy with stick, unconscious, bleeding a little bit. Damien then went over to the Jason, another kid. Damien started hitting this boy, and Jason went over to the blonde-headed boy and stuck his dick in the boy's mouth. And please excuse the language in this. This is directly from Stidman's notes. I didn't write this. Jesse kept hitting Boy Scout and knocked out him out unconscious still breathing was sure he was still breathing 
Jesse went on to Damien and helped Damien hit the other boy. Damien went to Boy Scout, pulled his pants down, and screwed him in the ass. After Jason screwed blonde boy in mouth, he screwed him in the butt. After he screwed him in the butt, he cut the blonde-headed boy's penis. After that, client realized it was time to stop. Client stopped hitting other kid. Client went over to Boy Scout. He was saying, help us, help us. Client told Damien, it's time to stop. Damien said, no, we're going to like this. Client helped Boy Scout up. Damien knocked Client and Boy down. Client told Damien and Jason to stop hurting boys. Client walked away 10 to 15 feet, then came back. Damien screwed Boy Scout again. Jason stabbed one of the little boys in the face. Client and Damien and Jason tied all the boys up with their own shoestrings. Client choked Boy Scout until he quit moving. All but the blonde was still alive. Client didn't choke blonde. Damien and Jason threw them in the water, saw boys kicking around in the water. Client was afraid to go back and help, so he left. No one ever mentioned killing anybody in the cult. Damien would try to say voodoo stuff and try to dogs and cats and snakes from the dead. Damien stuck his tongue in the skull of a bird. Major discrepancies here is that there's more choking and the fact that Michael Moore is sexually assaulted repeatedly, which from every other statement that Miss Kelly gave is quite a significant departure, more so as there's no evidence that Michael Moore was actually sexually assaulted. And it's important to note, too, that during all of this, Jesse Miss Kelly never once attempted to establish any sort of an alibi, i.e. he never tried to say, hey, you know what, I was mistaken on that, I made all of that up. It wasn't until much, much, much later that he started trying to spin this yarn about he had been out wrestling and working. By then, though, it really was already too late because they had multiple confessions, uh, both on tape and also just told to different individuals. And it's my belief that the producers of the Paradise Lost film, as all of this was going on, realized that Miss Kelly was a lost cause as far as what they were trying to do was concerned. So instead, they really focused on Eccles and Baldwin because they were the only two of the three who were able to coherently deny that they were involved despite the fact that Eccles had no alibi then as na of now that held any water. In fact, his alibis were ripped to shreds on the stand when the case eventually went to trial. Miss Kelly gave another confession, this time really sticking to the general story he'd been telling already, although really trying to continue to downplay his role in these crimes. And he slipped in that, you know, he had been going to Dyer's Arkansas to wrestle off and on and really tried to stay away from individuals like Baldwin and Eccles, which to me suggests that he realized at this point that he was in a whole lot more trouble than just simply beating a kid because now he's being charged in three very brutal homicides. In this third confession, Miss Kelly said that he had not done anything with the boys' bikes and had left by walking over near the Blue Beacon. One significant 
change is that he stated that he did not recall Damien having his walking stick with him that day, although he could not say for certain whether this was true. He also claimed that Baldwin simply had a pocket knife, a buck knife, with him. What's important about this is that this so-called pocket knife or buck knife would soon become, in Miss Kelly's mind, a Rambo knife. On November 17, 1993, a dive team was dispatched to Lakeshore, to the lake, the scummy little pond behind Jason Baldwin's home. And after about an hour, the dive team resurfaced with a 9-inch fixed blade knife. Of interest to us is the fact that this knife is really the kind of knife they were looking for, but also the bottom of the knife, the handle, there was a screw-on cap that was missing. This cap was said to have had a compass in it with a little pin sticking out that was said to be very similar in size and shape to the marks found on some of the boys' bodies. You've seen them, they're these kind of roundish, circular things with a hole in the middle. Jason's mother, in years since, has tried to come up with all sorts of ideas as to why that knife was in the lake. I mean, the police determined that it had been thrown from the dock behind the Baldwin home. Uh, coincidence? I doubt it. And she has come up with stories about how Jason had thrown it out there a year prior to the murders, and a police officer had planted it in an effort to frame her boy. A defense attorney tried to claim that Jason's mother had thrown it in there. This same defense attorney tried to claim that the blade was broken on the knife that was thrown into the water. However, the blade on the lake knife was obviously not broken. Conjunction with all of this, Gail Grinnell has claimed that her boys did not have any knives. However, everyone who knew Jason Baldwin has given contradictory statements that Baldwin did indeed have knives, and he did have a knife very similar to the one that was found in the lake and that was believed to have been used in the commission of these murders. Also as of interest is Deanna Holcomb stating that Damien Eccles routinely carried a knife with him and that the knife found in the lake was very similar to one that Eccles had carried on his person. So as the summer is going on, this case is really heating up and now we have all three perpetrators in jail there are at least three confessions that there are known of at this point from jesse miss kelly um, and it's only going to get worse for the accused from this point on obviously eventually miss kelly is going to be persuaded by his lawyers that hey you know you might want to shut your damn mouth this is when miss kelly starts floating around the idea that he had an alibi. However, Miss Kelly could not get rid of the guilt that he had. And even though that he was touting this idea that he may have had an alibi, had gone out wrestling with friends of his who had rented the ring, Miss Kelly continues to confess at least three more times. This is pretty damning. It shows that the guilt that Miss Kelly was feeling was palpable enough that 
his own well-being was secondary to getting this story out and letting the authorities know just exactly what did happen. We are going to call the episode at this point. I hope you have enjoyed this, the sixth part of our series on the West Memphis Three. We will continue next week looking at all of the stuff that led up to the trial, hopefully the trials themselves, and further explore Miss Kelly's many damning confessions. Till next time, the Death Cast is a production Corpse Creek Publishing, in association with Big Pond Podcasts. Stay morbid.